Welcome to the EMSO Talks podcast. Hi, and welcome to EMSO Talks. I'm Jens Nystedt, uh, co-CIO here at EMSO. Today, we are going to do the next episode in our series, Fika with uh, Jens. As you know from previous podcasts, the idea is to kind of take a short break in your day, sit down, preferably with a cup of coffee, maybe some Swedish delicacies, and uh, listen to a bit about what we are thinking here at EMSO, about what's going on in the markets, what are some of the key drivers short term, and uh, what we are thinking about them. Now, clearly, there's a lot going on in the markets at any given time. There's been plenty since the last time we did this recording. And um, please uh, let us know if you have any thoughts or questions about it. In terms of events that are on my radar right now, we are entering a key weekend of negotiations on the U.S. debt ceiling. I think that for emerging markets professionals, sometimes it feels like we are the tippy tail of a very long tail of a very large dog and we're getting whipped around by whatever is the global macro theme at the moment. And uh, when uh, different uh, market professionals met during the IMF World Bank spring meetings back in April, the theme was not uh, challenges that emerging markets are facing, the theme was really focused on the US. And back then we focused on two issues, clearly the banking turbulence, but also what was going to happen with the debt limit. We didn't know when this famous X date was going to be. Was it going to be early summer, late summer here in the Northern Hemisphere? But it turns out we're getting very close to it now. We know it's June 1. Negotiations are ongoing. And this weekend is probably one of those make or break events where had you spoken to certain Uh, thinkers and officials during the IMF spring meetings, they said that the default probability of the U.S. was higher than that of Egypt. That's quite striking because, of course, they are in uh, different kind of rating categories. So while that is going on in the background and it will have an impact in terms of how vulnerable certain emerging markets can be, asset prices don't like usually these kind of wall shocks, there are other things in the meantime that have been a bit more constructive than we um, than when we spoke last. One of them has been that the U.S. economy has actually been doing rather well. It has surprised us in terms of the resilience of its labor market. It means that the Fed, which signaled that they are likely going to go on hold here in June, we still have about a 30% chance that they will hike again. Now, it's likely that they pause. I think that clearly uh, policy rates are restrictive. But with the Fed largely being done here, I think that changes typically the outlook for emerging market rates and rates receivers. It's a more constructive environment to take advantage of the fact that a number of EM central banks, they started hiking rates well before the Fed. Clearly, they've seen inflation pressures before. The construction of their consumer price indices have a lot more energy and food prices in it. So the surge in inflation came through very early for them. They reacted. Now they're on the other side of that. If you look at some of the key agricultural goods prices, such as wheat, it's actually all the way back to early 2021. So inflationary pressures in emerging markets are receding quite fast at the headline level. Core is definitely stickier. But it's less sticky, at least in several emerging markets, than what we think uh, about it in the U.S. or even uh, the Eurozone. So in that environment, emerging market central banks can decouple from a Fed that has gone back on hold. 
Uh, we uh, found out yesterday that uh, the Mexican Central Bank voted 5-0 to be on hold. And the question is really, when is the next cut? So after a number of years where the market was positioned for higher interest rates in emerging markets, now the big switch is uh, the other way around. But the Fed is a key component to that. The U.S. growth story is a key component to that. There is, of course, a scenario where if the U.S. slows down too rapidly, that's actually bad ultimately for risk premiums in emerging markets because emerging markets do well if global growth is decent. Now, the good news had been, as I said, that so far growth has been resilient, but there is a potential of a cliff effect and we get surprised that the labor market suddenly deteriorates. But it's no, nowhere in the data yet. And um, when we talk about another key driver for emerging market growth, it's really about the China reopening story. Now, that is clearly fading in the background quite quickly. We got a very positive, strong growth impulse towards the end of uh, uh, the last quarter of 2022 as they were reopening that spread through uh, Q1. But if you look at economic surprises, we're actually now solid in the negative. So some of that early uh, intense growth optimism is not being supported by the data that we are getting now. That may very well mean that we are going to see further stimulus efforts in China. Interest rates onshore are fairly well contained. They may even have to cut. But uh, so some of the good news for global growth from the U.S. is offset to some extent by China not really continuing to surprise us on the upside. However, for the restoration of international travel, what does it mean for some of the uh, countries which used to be very large recipients of Chinese tourism, that is still going to go ahead. That's going to be a key driver for some of these currencies in that region, so Southeast Asia, for, I would say, in particular, Q3 and Q4. So watch that space. Other idiosyncratic drivers that is um, a focus of ours is we had elections in Turkey. I mentioned that in our previous podcast. That's being a watershed event. However, the first round suggests that uh, the incumbent is likely to stay. Erdogan is likely to be re-elected. Re His uh, coalition parties will have a majority in parliament. But we have a second round. But so far, that doesn't seem to be a game-changer type of environment. But there are opportunities uh, around that as well. Now, in other countries that are taking our attention, uh, we are still focused on Argentina. And uh, as we get closer and closer to election, the primaries are starting to happen here in the month of May. And it seems that we are clearly heading towards regime change in that country as well uh, during the second half of this year. So there can be opportunities there as well. Um, but going back to kind of the top-down drivers and how we think about it from an emerging market asset allocation perspective, the EM rates trade, while getting more popular, is still number one in how we think about the opportunity set. Of course, uh, these global macro and debt limit negotiations may affect timing and sizing. Next is really here EM currencies. If we think that the Fed is done, there is still very attractive carry opportunities in a number of EM currencies. Some of them have already rallied a lot. For us, the Mexican peso screen is particularly expensive at the moment, but there are a number of currencies uh, that uh, are quite cheap. And um, so this is not one of those cases where all of EMFX looks cheap, but there are a couple of opportunities here and there. 
Now, uh, going to credit, it continues to be the case that for us, a number of uh, investment-grade EM credit stores looks very expensive. They have done really, really well. Total return for the MB Global uh, year to date has been clearly flattering to deceive in terms of that the U.S. Treasury component is over 150% of the total return of those benchmarks. So, um, and, and predominantly we find that in EMIG. So that looks expensive, but on the high yield side, Egypt, which was one of the stories coming out of the spring meetings for people who are the most skeptical, is coming back, seeing some recovery. We're seeing some inflows to some of the higher yielding sub-Saharan Africa stories. So this is an environment where doing your bottom-up research, feeling comfortable with your uh, credit calls, is actually quite valuable. Even though we are ranking uh, credit uh, below EM rates and EMFX, there are some select stories which can actually give you some very interesting idiosyncratic opportunities. The final thing that we're watching out for is any news in terms of uh, agreement with regards to Samia and the sovereign debt restructuring that is going on there and the role that the bilateral creditors, especially the Chinese, uh, will play with regards to their contribution to a more sustainable debt burden for Zambia. This is more in the political sphere. Uh, it, it can be still weeks away, but we're seeing some modest progress to make us comfortable that uh, there could be uh, a breakthrough with regards to Zambia, which would allow it to actually uh, get out of uh, its current uh, debt restructuring mess and uh, normalize its relationship with creditors. And that could actually, the reason why it matters is it could be an interesting model for other re debt restructuring cases that are coming after Zambia. Clearly the market is focused on Ghana, but Sri Lanka is not too far behind. These are all cases that uh, warrants a very close look. And the nice thing is they're highly idiosyncratic. So uh, while we are waiting for where the tail is going to swing to next in terms of that very large dog jumping around, we can in the meantime uh, focus on some of these idiosyncratic stories that could uh, generate an attractive total return. So I hope you will uh, you have enjoyed this uh, brief fika with me, that you had a little bit of coffee, and uh, that you join me also in celebrating Sweden's win in Eurovision and over ice hockey over Finland. So uh, there are a couple of things going well there as well. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, please reach out to us if you have any questions or comments. Thank you very much for your time.